Already in the U.S., more than 20,000 cases of monkeypox have been reported. Just like COVID, the total number of infections is certainly higher than current figures indicate. And unlike COVID, where we had to invent vaccines and antivirals, we already have vaccines and therapeutics that can be used to protect and treat patients from monkeypox. That's Dr. Sandra Freihofer chair of the AMA Board of Trustees and liaison to ACIP, the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. Picoviramat, aka TPOX, was FDA approved for treatment of smallpox in adults and children in 2018. Its use for other orthopox virus infections, including monkeypox, is not approved by FDA. However, this drug is being made available through EA, IND, expanded access, investigational new drug protocol, which we'll explain here today. In this episode of Moving Medicine, Dr. Freihofer moderates a panel covering what physicians need to know about tecoviramat, or TPOX, for treatment of monkeypox. She's joined by Dr. Adam Sherwatt, Deputy Director for the Office of Infectious Disease at the FDA Center for Drug Evaluation and Research. Dr. Brett Peterson, Captain of the U.S. Health Service and Deputy Chief of the CDC Hox Virus and Rabies Branch. And Dr. Timothy Wilkin, Professor of Medicine and Assistant Dean for Clinical Research Compliance for Human Research Protections at Weill Cornell Medicine. Now, here's part one of our two-part series. Today, we're talking about monkeypox with a special focus on the antiviral Ticoviramat, also known as TPOX, its use, as well as its availability as a treatment for this disease. I'm Dr. Sandra Freihofer, board chair of the American Medical Association. I'm in private practice, general internal medicine in Atlanta. I'm also adjunct associate professor of medicine at Emory and AMA's liaison to ACIP, the CDC's advisory committee on immunization practices. In just a moment, I'll introduce today's experts from FDA and CDC. They'll talk about monkeypox, what it is and what it isn't, what it means for physicians, as well as current treatment options, and what happens next. We've been through a lot over the past two years, more than we could have imagined, and honestly, more than what we were prepared for. We strongly encourage you to talk to your patients about the importance of getting this updated booster at least two months after completing a primary COVID vaccine series or their last COVID booster dose. It's crucial that we continue our progress to protect patients from hospitalizations and deaths due to COVID. We've learned from our uncoordinated response to COVID how important it is to contain an outbreak in its early stages. Already in the U.S., more than 20,000 cases of monkeypox have been reported. Just like COVID, the total number of infections is certainly higher than current figures indicate. Already, there are more than 54,000 cases in 93 countries, countries that have not historically reported monkeypox in the past. And unlike COVID, where we had to invent vaccines and antivirals, we already have vaccines and therapeutics that can be used to protect and treat patients from monkeypox. Ticoviramat, aka TPOX, which we're going to discuss in depth today, was FDA approved for treatment of smallpox in adults and children in 2018. Its use for other orthopox virus infections, including monkeypox, is not approved by FDA. However, this drug is being made available through EA, IND 
expanded access investigational new drug protocol, which we'll explain here today. Now, this is different than EUA, emergency use authorizations, that we've all become accustomed to during the pandemic. It's important to understand the distinctions. We've heard from many of you that the process for obtaining and utilizing TPOX has been cumbersome and has led to significant delays in treatment in some cases. CDC and FDA have worked together to update protocols for use of TPOX in order to make it easier to increase access to treatment. We'll talk more about that with today's panel of experts. First, I'd like to welcome Dr. Adam Sherwatt, Deputy Director of the Office of Infectious Diseases at the FDA Center for Drug Evaluation and Research. Dr. Sherwatt will provide his expert insight on the status of TPOX as an IND, investigational new drug, and what that means for us as physicians and for our patients. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Sherwatt. We're also delighted to have infectious disease expert, Dr. Timothy Wilkin, Professor of Medicine and Assistant Dean for Clinical Research Compliance for Human Research Protections at Weill Cornell Medicine. Dr. Wilkins, a clinical trial researcher with a focus on prevention of HPV-related cancer in people living with HIV. He also chairs a clinical trial looking at ticoviramat for treatment of monkeypox in humans. Also joining us today is Dr. Brett Peterson. Dr. Peterson is captain of the U.S. Public Health Service and deputy chief of CDC's pox, virus, and rabies branch. Dr. Peterson will tell us more about the streamlined process required for TPOX, which eases the burden on physicians by making it easier to access this treatment for our patients. CDC has played a critical role in our ongoing response to monkeypox, and we'll also hear more about recent developments. So let's get started. Dr. Sherwatt, we'll start with you. So I am going to provide a regulatory perspective on ticoviramat. So ticoviramat is an antiviral drug that inhibits viral spread to uninfected cells by directly and specifically targeting the orthopox virus protein VP37, which is involved in producing extracellular envelope virions. Ticoviramat was approved for the treatment of smallpox disease under a regulation known as the animal rule. The animal rule allows for approval of drugs when human efficacy studies are not ethical and field trials to study the effectiveness of drugs or biological products are not feasible. Under the animal rule, efficacy is established based on adequate and well-controlled studies in animal models of the human disease or condition of interest. So establishing efficacy under the animal rule. Um, in this case, conducting clinical trials to study ticoviramat for the treatment of smallpox was neither feasible nor ethical. Smallpox is an eradicated disease and exposing study participants to variola virus or the smallpox virus is not ethical. And there were scientific and logistical constraints with the use of variola virus in animal models. Therefore, efficacy was established based on studies of non-human primates infected with monkeypox and rabbits infected with rabbitpox virus. These studies demonstrated improved survival in animals that received ticoviramat compared to animals that received placebo. So establishing safety under the animal rule. Approvals that, we, um, that go forward under the animal rule still require establishing an adequate safety database like any other drug or biologic product. The safety of ticoviramat was evaluated in 359 healthy adult subjects aged 18 to 79 years in a placebo-controlled clinical trial. These subjects had neither smallpox nor monkeypox. 
adverse reactions occurring in greater than or equal to 5% of subjects receiving ticoviramat included headache in 12% and nausea in 5%. There were no deaths or serious adverse events that were considered to be related to ticoviramat. Select an effective dose, ticoviramat exposures achieved in healthy human subjects were compared with those observed in the animal models of rabbit pox and monkeypox infection at the doses that were associated with maximum effectiveness. For ticoviramat, the selection of a maximum human dose was constrained by neurologic findings in animal toxicology studies. However, ticoviramat exposures achieved in healthy humans at the recommended dose are higher than the therapeutic exposures in the relevant animal models. So there are a number of uncertainties that are inherent in animal rule approvals. Um, one is that drugs that are effective in animal studies are not always effective in humans, and we've seen that before in, in, uh, in clinical development programs. Another is that a drug's safety and pharmacokinetic profile may differ in healthy people versus people with a disease of interest, in this case, monkeypox. So post-marketing studies such as field studies are required to verify and describe a drug's clinical benefit and to assess its safety when used as indicated when such studies are feasible and ethical. So a question that we've received before is why was ticoviramat not approved for treatment of monkeypox under the animal rule? So monkeypox disease did not meet the animal rule requirement that human efficacy studies are not ethical and field trials to study the effectiveness of drugs or biological products are not feasible. At the time of ticoviramat approval, there were parts of the world, including in Western Central Africa, where monkeypox disease was endemic and clinical trials could be conducted. The efficacy, safety, and pharmacokinetics of ticoviramat in the treatment of monkeypox in humans have not been demonstrated. Also, ticoviramat must be administered with a moderate to high-fat meal to achieve target drug exposures. Another significant issue is the low barrier to resistance of the drug. This was based on results in cell culture, animal studies, and clinical case reports. Some of the resistance pathways require only a single amino acid change in the viral VP37 drug target to cause a substantial reduction in ticoviramat antiviral activity. So current access to ticoviramat is via an NIAID-sponsored randomized controlled clinical trial and also via an intermediate size expanded access IND protocol or EAP held by the CDC. Data from randomized controlled trials are critically needed to address knowledge gaps related to efficacy, safety, pharmacokinetics in humans with monkeypox, and to monitor for development of resistance to ticoviramat. All are essential in guiding clinical and regulatory decision-making. Therefore, healthcare providers should encourage their patients with monkeypox infection to be evaluated for enrollment in NIAID's randomized controlled trial. For patients for whom enrollment in this trial is not feasible, for example, a clinical trial site is not geographically accessible, the use of ticoviramat under CDC's expanded access protocol should be consistent with applicable guidelines for ticoviramat use. Medicine doesn't stand still, and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine, they shape its future. Help move medicine, join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. We're also delighted to have infectious disease expert, Dr. Timothy Wilkin, professor of medicine and assistant dean for clinical research compliance for human research protections at Weill Cornell Medicine. 
Thank you. Um, I'm happy to present the study on behalf of my co-investigators, as well as the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Um, so we have rapidly developed this protocol at the request of uh, NIH and NIAID. This um, protocol is part of our national plan for um, responding to the monkeypox, um, human monkeypox epidemic. Um, so we are, I'm glad to say that we enrolled our first person on September 8th, and we will ramp up the protocol in the weeks to come as more and more sites come on board. Um, so the study is um, really two studies in one. Uh, first, we have a randomized uh, double-blinded placebo-controlled portion where we are uh, trying to answer whether uh, ticuvirumab is effective for the treatment of human monkeypox disease. Um, we also have a second portion of the study where we provide open-label uh, ticuvirumab for certain populations, including children, people who are pregnant, people with severe disease, severe immunosuppression, or severe skin disease that puts them at risk for uh, severe outcomes from this uh, disease. So the study population are those with symptomatic human monkeypox virus infection. This is a superiority design. Uh, the primary outcome is time to clinical resolution that we'll discuss in a moment. Um, and the participation for the participant is over two months. Uh, originally, we hoped to enroll the study in eight weeks. That may or may not be possible as the uh, case, number of cases starts to decline in the U.S., and we're studying weight-based oral ticoviramat. So our hypothesis is that ticoviramat will lead to faster clinical resolution of human monkeypox virus disease compared to placebo. We'll compare the time to clinical resolution. And we're defining this primary endpoint of clinical resolution as when all skin lesions are scabbed over desquamated or healed, and all visible mucosal lesions are healed as well. So we're assessing this with a combination of uh, sources of data, including daily skin checks by the participants, as well as photographs. Um, when the person reports clinical resolution, we'll conduct uh, remote uh, visits and video visits to confirm resolution, as well as confirming at an in-person visit when scheduled. People can have um, uh, upwards of a hundred lesions. Um, so it, uh, it is a, a difficult primary endpoint to assess. And I will note that there have been no clinical trials conducted in this area. Uh, so we are in some ways learning as we go. Um, we have a whole host of secondary outcomes, including assessing pain, which is a major uh, presenting symptom for patients, uh, progression of severe disease, We'll look at clearance of human monkeypox virus in various places uh, with the hope that we can find a uh, surrogate endpoint for future studies. Um, and we are assessing pharmacokinetics, as Dr. Sherwat mentioned, uh, we have a dearth of data in this area. So we'll be assessing in the randomized portion as well as uh, for people who are pregnant and children across the age span. Um, so for eligibility, we asked two questions. The first is, does the person have symptomatic human monkeypox virus disease? So they can either have confirmed infection, so a laboratory report that was obtained within the last seven days, or presumptive diagnosis, so skin 
mucosal lesions, proctitis, consistent with the high probability of human monkeypox virus in the opinion of the site investigator, as well as an exposure, either sexual contact in the prior three weeks or close household exposure with someone known to be uh, infected with human monkeypox virus. We want to get uh, enroll people that are less than two weeks in duration of illness and have at least one active lesion or symptom to follow. Uh, people who are not pregnant uh, should agree to con contraception or abstinence, very flexible, uh, and ability to perform, provide informed consent. The second question we asked is, are they appropriate for randomization? Um, so the groups where we've decided they're not appropriate for randomization, that they should receive open-label ticoviramat. Uh, so for people less than 18 years of age, we want to really focus on safety and pharmacokinetics. Uh, so everyone is, and that group is receiving uh, open-label ticoviramat. Those with severe disease, we've defined that as suspected or confirmed ocular involvement, uh, lesions on the central face that could be disfiguring, uh, hospitalization, lesions that are severe and require uh, intervention. Um, we have those with severe immunosuppression will receive open-label ticoviramat. Uh, those with uh, certain skin conditions that we know from um, that place them at higher risk for these orthopox virus conditions. Uh, people who are pregnant or breastfeeding and um, uh, people that are expected to have significant drug-drug interactions with ticoviramat, we are uh, enrolling them or providing open-label ticoviramat so we can uh, get more data on the drug interactions. Um, so we, uh, the follow-up is scaffolded with weekly visits for a month. So five weekly visits for a month and then a visit uh, two months after. We assess with detailed examinations, swabs, blood. Uh, people have a de uh, detailed STI screen at baseline. Uh, there's participant uh, reported outcomes as well as the daily study diary through the first month. And I will point out that those that are originally in the randomized arm can move to open-label ticoviramat if at any point they have progression to severe disease. So they develop eye lesions, central facial lesions, they're hospitalized, any of that, they move to open-label ticoviramat, as well as people that have persistent severe pain that lasts for five days or more uh, are able to move to open-label ticoviramat. So we're powering this study for a faster resolution of three days, a three days faster resolution of symptoms uh, that we believe that would be clinically meaningful. And uh, as I said, we are open to accrual. We are hope to have 80 sites uh, eventually at uh, most major metropolitan areas. Um, so we will update the lists on the clinicaltrials.gov. We will have um, broader press releases that will um, have our open website, so you'll, and as well as a call center, so there'll be um, easy ways to refer uh, patients to the study. Um, there are other trials. There's a UK study that's ongoing that's completely remote. There's a smaller in scale Canadian trial um, and a more complicated platform trial uh, conducted by the WHO as well. Uh, so overall, uh, we are open to accrual. We try to address the concern of the community to have access for ticoviramat while still being able to have a controlled assessment of efficacy. Um, so we, we do hope to have uh, most people infected with ticoviramat in a community where the 
protocol is open to be referred to the protocol. I love the name of this study, STOMP, S-T-O-M-P. And I wonder if we Google clinical trial STOMP, if we'll come up with it. But thank you so much for presenting that. And next, we'll hear from Dr. Peterson. Take it away. Great. Thank you very much. And thank you for the invitation. So my goal is to really highlight uh, some of the resources in terms of guidance and other data that is available from CDC um, for regarding treatment with decaviramet. So I want to start by noting that uh, many individuals infected with monkeypox do have a mild self-limiting disease course, even in the absence of specific therapy. So for many patients, supportive care and pain control is really sufficient um, in treating this disease. However, the prognosis for monkeypox does depend on multiple factors, such as the previous vaccination status, initial health status, and concurrent illnesses or comorbidities. And so with this in mind, CDC has tried to develop some treatment considerations for monkeypox. Um, The website is noted here, and I would suggest that folks keep a close eye on this website. But the main treatment considerations is that persons should be considered for treatment um, who have either severe disease or at high risk for severe disease. For example, people with immunocompromising conditions, pediatric populations, pregnant or breastfeeding people, people with a history or presence of atopic dermatitis or other skin conditions, and people with one or more complications. And lastly, uh, persons who do have uh, lesions on sensitive anatomic areas that might lead to increased risk of serious sequelae should also be considered for treatment. Now, ticavirumab, as we've discussed, is really the the, uh, first-line treatment uh, for monkeypox. I think we've heard about most of this already. I'll note that there this uh, drug has been um, licensed as both an oral and IV formulation, and both of these formulations are available from the strategic national stockpile. And as noted earlier, CDC does hold an expanded access IND, which allows the use of this product um, for non-varial orthopox virus infections, including monkeypox. Now, In terms of the EAIND, CDC has worked with FDA to really make it easier for healthcare providers to provide this treatment to patients with monkeypox. The EAIND provides an umbrella regulatory coverage so that clinicians and facilities don't need to individually request um, INDs. And this ensures that there's liability coverage under the PREP Act if there are patients injured and um, they can receive compensation under the countermeasures injury compensation program. In terms of uh, implementing the EAIND, treatment with TPOX can begin upon receipt of the medication and after obtaining informed consent. There's no requirement for pre-registration for clinicians or facilities. And the forms uh, that are required under the EAIND can all now be returned to CDC after treatment begins. The forms that are currently required include the informed consent form, a patient intake form, and the FDA form 1572. A serious adverse event form, uh, the MedWatch form is also required if adverse events uh, uh, occur during treatment. A number of other optional forms and resources are available, including a patient diary, which patients can use to record how they feel and any side effects to TPOX, And um, what was previously required but is now optional is a clinical outcome form, which is still very helpful for us to document progress and outcome information post-treatment. 
You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Additionally helpful are photos of the lesions um, and in situations where resistance may be suspected, lesion samples can be collected and sent to CDC to assess for the development of antiviral resistance. And pharmacokinetic samples can also still be submitted optionally um, to monitor TPOX levels for adequate drug exposures. The CDC has recently summarized the information that we've received from uh, patients and providers under the EAIND and published this in a recent MMWR. Um, what we've learned is that among 549 patients who have been treated under the EAIND, 99.8% received it orally and as an outpatient. And among the 369 patients for which we have data available, few adverse events were reported. So this really supports the continued um, provision of this drug under EAIND. Um, I'll also note that um, the time from uh, onset of symptoms to initiation of treatment has also decreased, likely due to a number of factors, but um, uh, some of which being the, uh, the simplification of the process um, as well as uh, increased uh, awareness and accessibility of uh, the product. We continue to collect information on the demographics of patients receiving Ticaviramet. We're up to almost 2,000 patients for which we've received the patient intake form. And what we've seen is the demographics of the patients being treated with Ticaviramet has closely uh, uh, tracked the uh, it demographics of the cases being reported. Um, so we continue to monitor this to um, ensure uh, access and um, equitable use of Ticaviramat in this outbreak. I want to point out that there are some other treatment options available. VIGIV is a product license for treatment of complications due to vaccinia vaccination or smallpox vaccination. Sidofavir is an antiviral medication that is approved by FDA for treatment of CMV retinitis in patients with AIDS. Um, both of these products uh, are do have activity against orthopox virus infections, although there's limited data to support their use specifically for monkeypox. Uh, CDC does hold an expanded access um, IND protocol to allow the use of these products um, for the treatment of monkeypox. Um, and both of these products are also available in the SNS. Uh, these products could be helpful adjuncts um, in treating severe cases of monkeypox who are already receiving ticaviramat, for example. One other treatment option is brinsidofavir, which is an antiviral medication approved by FDA for treatment of smallpox. Um, it is not currently available from the SNS, but um, the BARDA has awarded a contract to procure brinsidofavir for the SNS, and so we do expect it to be available soon. And CDC is currently developing an expanded access IND protocol to help facilitate the use of this product uh, as a treatment for monkeypox as well. Lastly, for ocular infections, which unfortunately we have seen during this outbreak, 
trifluridine or veroptic is an antiviral medication that's licensed for treatment of herpes, conjunctivitis, or keratitis. And there is in vitro evidence of uh, trifluridine activity against orthopox viruses. And we do have case reports of trifluridine being used for vaccinia virus infections, for example, following smallpox vaccination, um, as well as during this outbreak uh, for monkeypox. And previous anecdotal reports do suggest some benefit for treatment of ocular infections with trifluridine. So lastly, I just did want to highlight that there are some um, guidance and considerations for specific populations. So for treatment and prophylaxis in people with HIV, um, it is known that people with advanced HIV or those who are not virologically suppressed um, with antiviral antiretroviral therapy can be at increased risk of severe disease. And we have unfortunately seen some severe cases um, uh, related to uh, uncontrolled HIV. Uh, Post-exposure prophylaxis and antiviral treatments are available for these individuals, and antiviral treatments have few interactions that we've noted with antiretroviral therapy. In terms of people who are pregnant or breastfeeding, this is another population uh, where um, there is increased risk for severe disease, and these individuals should be prioritized for medical treatment when needed. Ticavirumab can be considered the first-line antiviral, given that they're um, are no known um, fetal effects that were observed in animal studies, although human data is limited. Uh, however, with sidofovir and brinsidofovir, um, there is evidence of teratogenicity in animal model studies, so uh, use in this population should, should be used with caution. Um, lastly, VIG administration can be considered after evaluating the risk and benefits for individual patients. Um, other immune Globular products have been widely used during pregnancy uh, for many years without any apparent negative reproductive effects. Lastly, we do also have clinical considerations for monkeypox in children and adolescents. This is another population um, that has been seen to be at high risk for severe disease, particularly in um, children with eczema or other skin conditions. And so treatment can be considered on a case-by-case -case basis for children and adolescents. Um, who are at risk for severe disease or who develop complications of monkeypox. And ticavirumab is generally the first-line medication to treat monkeypox in children and adolescents. In terms of requesting medical countermeasures, um, ticavirumab and the other medical countermeasures can be requested um, for suspected, probable, or confirmed monkeypox cases. And contacting this, your state or territorial health department is really um, the first step in uh, making these requests. Uh, many of these uh, jurisdictions do have ticavirumab already pre-positioned and available use. Uh, but of course, CDC is available for urgent clinical situations and consultations after hours on weekends. And uh, we can be reached through our CDC Emergency Operations Center and thank you again. Well, many thanks to all three of our guests for providing such valuable insight. We are so fortunate to have these three experts with us today. Join us for part two of this discussion where Dr. Fryhofer asks our panel of experts your questions about TPOX. You can subscribe to Moving Medicine and other great AMA podcasts anywhere you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.